Hi, and a warmly welcome to season five of Fail and Grow. This is a podcast show with me, Vilma. I'm one of the co-founders to Deluxe Q, CPQ. Easily and smooth integrated to the rest of your ecosystem, creating quality quotes quickly. And Fail and Grow is a niche podcast within OPEX. And what is OPEX? It's operational excellence. So everything that smoothens your sales and operations, increase your revenues, and of course, also your profits and margins. And today, I'm thrilled to say that we have a famous Finnish person with us. His name, or at least you are called Ruba. And first time I met you, I was so inspired by the openness, the willingness to help, the energy, and of course, the bunch of knowledge you have within sales. And today we're going to talk about sales psychology. But before that, Ruba, I would like a little bit more about you and the company you represent. Hi, and welcome. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Wonderful. And could you tell us a little bit about yourself and the company? Yes, actually, my company, OE Imperial Sales AB, was founded by my grandfather in 1936. And uh, of course, it didn't do sales coaching at that time. <laughs> However, uh, since 2000, so for the last 23 years, mm. I run this as a private entrepreneur. Mm. And before that, I worked in various companies in uh, various countries. I've been living in France twice. Mm-hmm. Also worked for a Swedish company, letsbuyit.com, mm-hmm. uh, in France. Uh, and also I lived in Sweden and in United States, in Chicago. And my mother is Swede, or was a Swede, and uh, mm-hmm. Swedish is actually my mother tongue. That's awesome to know. And uh, you have been around a bit, we can tell. And you ended up back uh, in Finland, right? Because there, there's where you are at the moment. Yes, I was born in Finland. And uh, of course, um, this is my uh, home base. And uh, yes, since I started this own company, I have actually done it in Finland. I wrote 11 books. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they are all in Finnish language. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, I feel like... Uh, I want to be the guru in Finland. <laughs> right. You should always find your niche, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's my strength. Uh, yeah, I have a, a quite funny story to tell you that I haven't told you before. It was uh, when me and uh, the previous CSO at Get Accept, Anders Holmberg, was entering Finland and we were going to your uh, Korea sales play. Is that okay? Uh, yes, translation our, of? yes, sales seminar it was, yes. Yeah. So it was a big day with lots of... Um, uh, salespeople that should be gathered and get inspired. So we just uh, told the taxi where to go because none of us uh, uh, found the route easily in Helsinki. And we were like in this uh, very cute village outside a very nice villa. And we were like, it can't be here. And then Anders starts laughing and says, I think we're outside of Ruba's house. And I was like, no, this is so embarrassing. (laughs) You have to go from here now. (laughs) So that's why actually we were a little bit late (laughs) to to the fair or the the seminar. (laughs) You you compared my house with the stadium. (laughs) I saw the Berlin stadium. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) We were like, this must be wrong. And the taxi driver was like, no, this is the right address that you told me. I have a big house, but not that big. You know, if you compare with the (laughs) iPhone. <laughs> so sorry for stalking your family. It wasn't, uh, yeah, we, we didn't. <laughs> that wasn't the goal. But um, moving on to uh, to your favorite after work drink. Maybe you celebrate a good week or a good year or 
your birthday or something, what would you prefer to drink? I'm a bad drinker, and I mean by that I mean I, I don't drink that much. But anyways, I would take a good French red wine. Uh, mm. Anyways, uh, not cocktails. So um, France is some somehow very close to my heart. And um, as I mentioned, I lived twice there already, mm. and now I also bought a ha- uh, an apartment in mm. in Riviera in Nice. So. Actually, so I would prefer uh, a glass of uh, French red wine. That's a perfect answer. And it's a very rare answer too. But uh, uh, I love it. Why not? A glass of red wine. You always go right for that. Well, okay. Thank you for sharing. Uh, Now, moving on to your funniest work-related fuck-up. I shared one of mine (laughs) already. Moving on to yours. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Actually, um, if you know Nordic Business Forum, which has grown quite a bit, and it's uh, actually the guys are from Finland. And first time they started to plan this, at that time, they were like, nobody knew these guys. And they were in Uvascula in the middle of Finland, where they come mm-hmm. from. Mm-hmm. And this young guy calls me and says, okay, I want to meet you at uh, a restaurant in Helsinki. And he enters the restaurant he had this white suit which was not fitting him at all absolutely like two sizes too small he was like 20 something and i looked at him that he can't be serious you know and he was asking for the first nordic business forum which was not that big event at the end of the day but it was the first one he was asking me if i would like to join them and you know like being the star on the stage and i said to him a very high price for that. I never heard from him anymore. <laughs> he took my competitor because I was very cocky and I was, you know, behaving badly. Uh, and I didn't, uh, you know, believe in him. And I just thought, okay, I give some price and, you know, they will never pay it. And then I get rid of the guy. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> since that, I, they have never invited me on the mm-hmm. stage. And um, if you know Nordic Business Forum, is now the biggest event in Nordics, and also yes. they are in Holland, and still I have to buy my ticket to get there. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing. That is very humble of you to share this, and uh, I have met people doing uh, similar stuff my whole life, and I'm always like, I don't know who taught me that, but uh, I used to work as a I don't know if you say disher, the one that does dishes at the restaurant uh, uh, for two or three summers or something like that. So I went to high school, I uh, went to the stable, and then during the weekends when I didn't compete, uh, I dished. <laughs> and I always told my father that one day when I run a big company, I, I will know all the levels of the company and how, how it feels like. And I don't know who have taught me that, but from my point of view, it's so it's very nice of you to share this because I don't, I just, when do you feel at the opposite, doing like you did? And and it is very unfortunate that the business forum now is is quite large and famous, and the tickets are also very expensive. <laughs> exactly. I wonder that I behave like that because mm-hmm. I was only 21 years old when I graduated as the youngest ever in a Finnish history to be wow. graduated as 21 years old. And I had already done my military service at that moment, uh, which is 11 months at that Mm. time. So uh, since that, you know, I think I'm still the youngest ever graduated as a master's 
so I don't know why I behaved like that uh, towards this young guy, because actually I have always experienced the same bad behavior towards me. Uh, but then that's why I think it was like uh, a double hit for uh, to really knock out you know, from my side. It was, but thank you so much for sharing. And uh, may- maybe you one just have that. Uh, you are super intelligent or you're a super hard worker, but in the end you will meet each other. The one will learn the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can share you one more thing. I met okay. this guy, I have met him since that uh several times, of course, but uh now when I, I travel to the uh, world uh, seminar in, in Dubai, uh you know, with in business class, uh, who was sitting in front of me. <laughs> he was with his family. And uh, all his family was in the business class. And of course, we were laughing to this, what happened 15 years ago. Oh, that's nice. That's nice. You both moved on. Okay, well, thank you so much for sharing. That was a true, uh, true fuck up that you obviously learned a lot from. And thank you so much for sharing. It's very humble of you. Now we're going to dig deep into today's uh, topic. We're going to talk about sales psychology. Uh, we are both sales nerds, so I think we can really go dig deep about this. But uh, I'm very curious, why did you choose uh, sales psychology of all the sales topic? I'm sure that you could have been speaking about. Why are you extra passionate about this? You know, after writing 11 books about the sales processes and how to manage sales and everything, um, I tried to understand what makes the difference with the top salesperson and an average salesperson. Because everybody knows nowadays the process itself. Mm-hmm. And you know how you should do it. Now we have teams or Zoom or whatever. You know, we know how to use the virtual meetings and so on. So I have studied what actually makes the difference with the top guys and the average salesperson. And I think that it's quite small things, actually, that are critical ones. I can give you a very concrete example. Mm-hmm. I have been listening lately a lot of Teams meetings that are recorded. Mm-hmm. And I look them through. Like a normal meeting takes, let's say, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, a business meeting. And it's a huge difference in those the ways how various people act as a salesperson on a virtual meeting. And the differences are not like uh, if they know the agenda or if they uh, how the PowerPoint looks like or how they use the chat or something. It's the wordings, some very uh, quite small things that are critical. But when I share the videos with the sales teams and I ask them to comment, a lot of people don't even see those small things. Mm-hmm. Do you want to have an example? Definitely. Of a very small detail, which is so simple. The client says, for example, just middle when the salesperson is talking, oh, that sounds interesting. Then I'm asking, did you hear that? Did you hear that the client says, this sounds interesting? Then some says, yes, or yeah, I could hear that. Then I'm saying, what should you do next? Because when you listen to the recordings, most of the salesperson just continue talking. But when the client says, oh, this sounds interesting, you should stop talking and say, thank you. What 
was especially interesting for you about what I just said. Mm. And I tell you, I've been listening many. I have been in my life in many meetings. Mm. I would say if just a few persons, salespersons, understand to stop talking. Uh, sorry for yes. Is it a communication skill or is it a... It's a listening or... skill. Mm. It's, a, it's a skill to understand those small buying signals. Mm. And, and, but salespeople are so keen on their own approach that they don't have even time to stop and, and listen. As I mentioned, this was just a minor example, mm. very yeah. small example. In a meeting of 45 minutes, normally I find in average 15 different buying signals during a time of 30, 35, 40 minutes. And in most cases, the salesperson don't hear them. Does this depend on, I mean, I feel uh, <clears throat> earlier when I, uh, early in my career, if I can uh, call it that, um, uh, I was oft, quite often quite nervous. I was nervous to uh, to reach out to the person. I was nervous to say the right things about my product. I was nervous about the knowledge I should have had about X mm-hmm. and Y. Uh, is it more common in junior salespeople, or would you say non-depending? No. I had yesterday actually somebody who wanted to sell me accounting services, mm-hmm. and he made like. So many mistakes on that meeting. <laughs> it must be uh, so tricky to sell to you as well. <laughs> <laughs> Actually not, because, you know, if it's a good one, I buy it. But, you know, if it's a good one. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, just uh, let's go through just some basic things that are structured. And some was the, uh, let's say, the buying signals. The sales psychology, he didn't really understand. Uh, mm-hmm. The first thing, he starts to tell about his own career. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, if I'm a client or a potential client, who should tell first uh, about their career? I would um, say the client, but yeah, not often the client wants it or not always. You can learn a lot it. from that. And then you can maybe mention about your background a little bit. Mm. That was the first thing. So uh, he put himself above uh, the client, uh, which is not the right way to approach. Then... Second, for example, the material, uh, the text on his PowerPoints were too small. So I could hardly read them from my laptop. Hmm. I could hmm. continue with several. What would then you say, say are the most uh, important details that you find? I mean, listening must be definitely one, being able to one, read. One. If I go to the sales psychology here, hmm. then because I have answered him in beforehand to some questions, did I see my answers on his presentation? How did he take into consideration that I took time to answer to his questions? He didn't show respect to me. Like, okay, I have used time in beforehand to answer his questions. He had taken into consideration in his speaking, but I could not see my answers and I could not see that he had taken into consideration what I answered in beforehand. This is psychology, you know, because later on when you do your suggestion, Mm. then you could say, based on your answers in beforehand Mm. and what we discussed now, 
my offer is following. Mm-hmm. But in at the beginning of the meeting, you just have to say this liner. Thank you so much, Wilma, answering my questionnaire. That helped me to prepare to this meeting. And then the offer is based on the preparation, the discussion we had. So you have to thank the client. This is the sales psychology. Thank you, Wilma, for answering the question. It helped me to prepare myself to this meeting. Mm. Just very small details, as you can see. Mm. As you said, it's communication, listening, and having this dialogue. And also, also uh, respect. I mean, a mutual respect. Uh, mutual. Because I often feel that many puts the clients above the supplier. Uh, from my point of view, if we are going to collaborate and have a partnership, of course, we should be on the same level. But we have to earn that. We have to earn it through trust and to, through respect. And of course, curiosity. You are the expert here, so I shouldn't rant on. But <laughs> I mean, yes, exactly. we should earn that. But as you see... I have given you already quite many small details. Definitely. But uh, I had an, a video. I was uh, my, I have a client in Germany and in Holland, and mm. I was lo- watching their videos. And for example, in one video, the client has not opened her camera for the first 12 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then we went through the whole 35 minutes meeting with the team. Mm. And suddenly this client, an Italian lady she puts on her camera after 12 minutes mm-hmm. as a the client puts on the camera after 12 minutes and i went on and then i stopped and i said to everybody did you did you recognize something special on the video and everybody was like mm, not really and i said let's look again and then somebody somebody could see oh she put on her camera and i said okay but what happened at that moment. And then we went the third time through. And then we were listening. What did the salesperson say? And then she opened the camera. Hmm. And it was interesting that then the sales team started to understand that finally, after 12 minutes, (laughs) the salesperson said something that was relevant for the client. And then she opened the camera. But for the first 12 minutes, the salesperson didn't even recognize mm. that she don't have a camera and didn't talk about it and should have stopped after one minute and say, mm. I would appreciate to have a camera. Mm. Because, you know, like, how would this feel for you if this would be all black? Like, oh, no, it's different, you know, like if you see yeah. my face. Mm. As a salesperson, you should require this. Mm. And, and this is what you understand me. So Definitely. Really I had the same that. experience yesterday, actually. I was talking to a partner because they are launching a CPQ Lite. So they were very nice of them to reach out to us and just inform what it was going to, uh, which kind of clients they are approaching, what is the difference through our CPQ, etc. And I know him since before. We know each other for several years, but uh, for some reason we used Teams. <laughs> you know, Zoom is my favorite. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, he had the camera on, but it didn't work for me. So uh, I felt, especially because the problem was on my side, I was like, okay, we can continue anyway. But it's super tricky. It's super tricky. You don't have that same feeling. And of course, you can just pause someone and say, please, sorry, is there something wrong with your camera? Do we have to reset the meeting or something? Of course. But the clue was here. 
that so few of the sales team heard what happened in 12 minutes when she put on the camera. It was like, what was so interesting? So they didn't recognize that the salesperson actually didn't have so much interesting to tell the first mm. 12 minutes. <laughs> so he, he, the salesperson should have changed his speech mm. a lot. And this is what I mean with sales psychology, that they are these small, I call them buying signals. They are mm. not all buying signals, but at the end of the day, they are, because when she put on her camera, she also said uh, to the salesperson, mm. Mm, this sounds interesting. Yeah. <laughs> then, but then again, <laughs> he didn't stop there. He should have said, "Oh, great! Uh, what I just have told you. What do you think, especially, has been interesting for you?" Mm. So easy uh, question. Stop talking and let's have the dialogue. And this, um, I'm sure, people thinking now, mm, quite easy things. But by some reason. This is difficult in sales for a lot of people. But it feels like when you're talking about this, uh, I, I feel that I get frustrated because it sounds so sloppy. I mean, everyone who has been uh, into to some t- kind of athletic, and I know there's a tired, you know, to compare sales to some kind of sport, but yet uh, the success is within the details. That's nothing new. And is it is it sloppy or is it, what what is it? The reason why a sales rep in general missed this very important. And it has to be done also with the preparation. Because, mm. for example, I told you this example of the accounting. I right. answered in beforehand, but he mm. never copied my answer to his presentation. Mm. So actually, the mistake mm. was done already before the meeting started. Mm. So yes, you have a process. You send questions. Mm. Clients, potential clients, answers you, but mm. you don't use the answers. <laughs> That's so, crazy I mean, for me. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, or you use them, but you don't copy the answers to the presentation, and you start with a thank you, like Wilma, mm. thank you for answering. I mean, that is again a very small thing, but mm. that if you didn't do the preparation before the meeting started, then you can't say. Mm. And this is things like. Okay, I mean, somebody would say that it's it's a, it's easy details, but it's not because you have like you have a lot of small details like that that should be have, have done in the mm. in the sales process. Mm. But of course, it's a combination of structured sales process. What happens before the meeting, during the meeting, between the meetings, after the meeting? That is, mm. of course, what I have been uh, doing for all these. Uh, 20, 23 years as a private entrepreneur. But now in my 12th book, I will do the David Copperfield thing. I will just tell everybody what what should be done, what is the right thing, why you do this. And what is a typical wrongs people do? I mean, you have talked a little bit about it, but if you have to choose three or five, the most effectful ones. The biggest mistake is that you don't have the dialogue before the meeting. Like if if you and me agree a meeting today by phone or by email or something, let's say we will have it in one week time. That's typical in sales. All right, let's have a Teams meeting or let's meet face-to-face next week. Okay. So most people think that, okay, the sales, will we will meet next week. 
But the real point here is that the sale starts from that moment. The whole week is sales time until you will have the actual meeting. And if you look at my closing percentage, I close mostly because I start directly a sales process. When I agree a meeting, I start right away a sales process. And I sell all that week until we have the meeting. And in many cases, when we have the meeting, I have already done a big part of the sales. And when you say you sell already, could you give us a couple of examples? Should you visit their LinkedIn profile? Should you send out those questionnaires? Yeah, or For that, I have a, a very heavy process, actually. But, but, uh, <laughs> but let's, uh, the, the main That's thing is... That's an extra started. episode. <laughs> okay, Vilma, you are my potential client. So I say, okay, Vilma, mm -hmm. after this phone call, I will send you a calendar, Outlook calendar booking, and I, would, I will add an agenda there. Additional to that, I will send you two questions. And I would really appreciate if you answer to those two questions. It would help both of us. Can you hear psychology? It will help both of us to prepare ourselves for that meeting. Mm. And I'm down to details, as you can see. If yes. you say it will help, 99% uh, of salespeople will say, I will send you a questionnaire. It will help me to prepare for the meeting. That doesn't help the client. Mm. So you should say, I will send two questions to you. It will help both of us to prepare ourselves to the becoming meeting. Mm. You see, this is yeah. sales psychology. Now you commit the client. And then you say, Vilma, uh, when I will send you these two questions, will you answer me? Yes, I would say. Then I say, oh, thank you. That is really important. Mm. And now I will send you an Outlook calendar booking with an agenda and the two, two questions. Mm. If you answer or not, because most of the people now will say they, they never answer. That's not the point. Mm. If they answer, you get the answers and you use them in the meeting. Mm. If they don't answer, do you know what happens at the beginning of the real meeting? If they, will they don't say, answer, I'm sorry, I didn't answer. They yes. will start with. And that is the best what you can get in sales. The client is apologizing you. So I always tell people when they say, yeah, but they never answer these questions. That's not the point. If you get them, it's good. If you don't get them, it's even better. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I, I actually, I've never put it into, I mean, labeled like that, but I thought about it so many times, you know, when the, when the client has to reschedule or they are late to the meeting and they start with apologizing, then you yes. are on the yes. same level. But now, now comes, now comes the, the crazy thing here. Now, when the client says, now you start to understand what I mean with his psychology. When the client says, okay, uh, I apologize. I didn't have time to answer them. You say, As a salesperson, no, this is the most important part. You say, oh, Vilma, it's not a problem. I have these questions here on the screen, so we can go them through now. <laughs> And what happens now? What happens to you as a client? You feel relieved. Mm. So first, apologize, then relief. And this is like boxing, because you're talking about sports. That is same in boxing. You kind of, you, you know... 
you show them, okay, come closer, and that, and suddenly you kick off. So this is exactly the same. Is that what we do in sales? We do the kickoff. <laughs> yeah, but at the end of the day, yeah, at I the know. end of the day, mm. you just knock out at the right moment, mm. and that is the point. Mm. Uh, the result shouldn't be that the guy you know falls down on the. <laughs> but anyways, my everybody knows what I mean with the knockout. That's the closing. Mm. Right. But mm. but before that, you have to play. You know, around not maybe fifteen rounds, but maybe seven rounds. Maybe seven. If you um, were to compare different countries, I mean, you're obviously coaching in Germany, in the Netherlands, in Sweden, in Finland, whatever. Yes. Uh, would you say there are differences? Not that many uh, as people might think. Uh, yes, there are cultural differences. How do you talk? How you act? But in mm. the sales process and the sales psychology, I don't see that big differences. Everything that I have told you so far, I can coach in all countries. Mm. In France, for example, the difference, of course, then we come to the other things that everybody is speaking on each other, uh, uh, which is uh, very strange. You know, you are in a meeting and like you have five people and everybody speaking on each other. And mm. for me as a Finn, it's difficult. Mm. I Because we, more in Nordics, we let the other one speak. And then the other one speaks, but and, and and this everybody knows. We in Finland, we are also very quiet, uh, but we use that as tactics, and nobody knows that. But I can I can tell you that we know that we are quiet, and we do that by purpose. So uh, for a Finn, it's not a difficultness to be quiet. For example, one minute, it's not a problem. But for a Fr- French person. I think two seconds is already uh, <laughs> it's, uh, getting difficult. Uh, if you are quiet with the French one minute, yeah. let's say even after 15 seconds, they, they think something is really, really wrong with you. Mm-hmm. So you have to go on. And even, even in Sweden, I see, like you are also doing, you are like, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, you are all, all the way communicating. In Finland, we don't do that. It's kind of annoying if you do that all the time. It's like be quiet, you know. It's better. So yes, there are some uh, very uh, small, but that doesn't have to do with the sales process. I mm, think right. that's more yeah. uh, the communication way, way of communicating. Now I feel uh, like I should be quiet, but it's hard to be quiet within a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, but uh, yeah. But seriously speaking, it's like it's the same question: if B to B and B to C are they mm. so different? And people try to uh, always explain they are so different, but actually it's not. Business to business buying is getting all the time closer to the B2C type of buying process. Could you develop that a little bit further? Yeah, that means that you should uh, analyze how people act when they are uh, buying as consumers, because the same way is is coming to, to business to business. So, you know, they do the searching with the mobile phone. They are mm. very active. They don't care if it's a, a Teams or is it face-to-face, which channel, are they online? The experience should be the same. I mean, if you want to buy running shoes as a customer, you might go into internet to search something. You go to a shop to look up something. You are in the shop and also you are meanwhile, at the same time in your mobile phone, 
you do searching, you can uh, look at um, recommendations, uh, you can call somebody, a friend, you can put it in a Facebook, ask your people what they think while you are in the shop. You know, you ask which one should I take? You ask quickly. Uh, I am just buying shoes. What do you think? B2B actually is going towards the same type of buying process. Of course, it's a longer time, but it has same ingredients. So you should do two big differences. And we can learn in business to business. We can learn a lot how people are buying in B2C and copy the best parts to the business from that. And also the second thing is that you should look how younger people are buying because actually that is the way how people are buying in the near future. So it's good to study how like uh, young people between 10 and 15, how they do decisions and what is their buying uh, process uh, and uh, the cycle. And from that, you can learn a lot. If you and me, if we would start a company now in any business, Mm. The best way to, to learn from the customer behavior is we would ask 100, 10 to 15 years old people to buy our service. And then we will check how they would buy it. And what would you say from your already discoveries from this uh, is the biggest difference from those kind of decision makers, the younger ones, to, I mean, the average decision maker today? I, I don't know if she, if she is 40 years uh, old or 50 or 30, but what would you say is the biggest difference at the moment right now? Fastness, fastness and easiness. Mm. It must be so fast and easy to buy. And it's far too complicated in most companies because the B2B companies, they are stuck with their own processes, all systems, uh, whatever. It should be so easy because, you know, it's three clicks and you should have the product. Mm. Maximum, mm. maximum three clicks. Mm. And and uh, by artificial intelligence, you know how people act uh, online. So you would know already if they do this, provide next information like that. If they do this, next information should be this. And you should know that. So nobody has to find the information. You know that if Wilma pressed this button, next she wants to see this one mm. or these two ones. But if you look at the B2B buying processes, they are far too complicated. Mm. And in some stage, you have to talk with somebody. If I don't want to talk with anybody, I should be able to buy anything without talking to every, anybody. Even if I want to talk with somebody, I can ask for somebody. Mm. For example, how many virtual B2B salespersons do you see online? Like, would you would have, okay, I want to have a virtual salesperson coming in. Mm. How many have you seen? Zero. I would in, say in, have none. <laughs> I would say none. And we are in 2023. Mm. Why do I need to speak to a salesperson? I don't want to. If I, I'm not saying, of course, but I mean, if I don't want to speak, right. mm. why can't I speak with a virtual salesperson who has, it's done with artificial, artificial intelligence who might answer correctly to 99% of my answer, uh, mm. questions. Something that I've been thinking about a lot is that since we provide with a CPQ tool, I mean, we create quotes to our clients to send to their clients. Yeah. Uh, I would say one, one in every 50 dialogue ask us if it's possible to implement it on their website. 
to, I mean, to have that guided sales, to have the recommended product and services together, to have the right testimonials and the, the client itself just can be guided like in e-commerce, but you don't mm-hmm. buy anything. You just get the PDF or whatever, how you wanted to present it as HTML or whatever. But uh, I would say it's very, very seldom that we get this question. And we have this in our roadmap. And as uh, all sales companies, we're like, as soon as we have a big enough client that asks for it, we will develop it. Uh, But it's very, very rare. And I don't believe that it's because sales managers or we often talk to CROs and CFOs, CEOs, et cetera. I don't think they want to maintain this big sales managers or uh, account executives or what you call them, the big teams. I just think that you are so you are so certain of that the, the client wants to talk to someone. But exactly. if they don't to, if they don't want to talk to anyone, if they're finished, for example. <laughs> you know what's uh... Uh, HubSpot changed everything. I think would say 2015 was the critical year when marketing automation came, and HubSpot said that you know it's overrated that people uh, buyers would like to speak with salesperson. Mm-hmm. Until that, we as salespeople we built this drama. I'm calling it sales drama. We want to have this sales drama. And Vilma, you know, you were not born at that time, but when at the beginning, when I started in this career, the sales drama was like this. First, you call somebody. Then you meet first time two weeks later. Then at that meeting, you agree to meet two or four weeks later. Then that was the second meeting. Then you agree to meet for presentation of your offer, which was additional two to four weeks. So the sales drama went on like two months before you even had an always a meeting, of course, face to face. And now, if you compare that, how uh, anybody would like to buy today? Mm. Like, if I need something, I want to buy something. How easy it in B two B? I mean, if you and me we go and visit now B two B sites on weekends it's almost impossible to buy any of their services. Mm-hmm. In most cases, you have to send and you fill in, fill in your contact information to be contacted maybe mm-hmm. on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Now this is also say psychology, of course. Yeah, I sure. mean, this, this is the same thing that we talked about earlier. We want to make it easier for the customer to buy when the customer is ready to buy. Right. I just I just uh, listened to a webinar here in Finland um, about customer experience, mm-hmm. and they have done study with sixty Finnish uh, managers, and they were asking, "Give me a word where what is customer experience? What is the most common word equal to customer experience?" And mm-hmm. the word is easiness. Mm. That is what mm-hmm. everybody is looking for. If I need something. I want to have it with three clicks. If I want to talk to somebody, then I can ask to talk with somebody. But I, mm-hmm. I should be able to buy anything fast and easy. Of course, now somebody will say, oh, yeah, but we are selling IT systems. The price is 100 million or 10 million or whatever. Uh, this Aruba from Finland don't understand the processes. I understand the processes. But these kind of companies believe that it's so difficult to buy something that costs 10 million euros. It's mm. not that difficult. Mm. 
they have done it difficult because they want to, you know, do this kind of uh, the sales drama on their service. <laughs> but maybe it is for me, I could be an IT guy. I've been in business in, let's say, for 30 years. And this <laughs> is the 11th time I'm buying an IT system to my company. I've done all the research already. Mm. Maybe I have met all the sales uh, teams already. Mm. And now I want to take the decision. Mm. But I can't. I mean, of course, I understand that they won't buy a 10 million IT system online with three clicks. That's not my point. But we should go towards that. Mm. Right. We should have that kind of approach. That is. mm. Exactly. And let's say when our kids will buy they will buy 10 million it system online with three clicks definitely for sure and i i can feel that everyone is like yeah they will do that yeah but then we should ask ourselves what could we implement today to make it more like that and we have uh i think it's like 10 years ago now or something uh there was um I, I would like to say old ladies, but just stay with ladies uh who was selling you know the bnb mini cooper by phone and they uh, uh, was sitting upside in north of Sweden, uh, calling people and ask if they want to buy Mini Cooper. I don't know if they, it was a leasing or it was a, a full buy uh, that we have to leave. Maybe someone in the audience know that. <laughs> but it was so successful. So they had to shut it down because the resellers uh, was so angry with these ladies calling their clients, selling uh, cars by phone. So uh, they had to shut it down. And I don't know, I mean, how the resellers could have that much power. Was it BMW? Was it someone else? Was it one of the resellers that hired those delays? I don't know. It's called vertical integration um, and forwards, actually, what you are talking about. And that is what Tesla has done. Right. And I mean, mm. now you can buy a car uh, just online. And uh, can you imagine that would have been done, uh, let's say, this is a very good example that you're giving now, actually, because nobody believed that people would buy a car uh, online uh, mm. 10 years ago. Mm. Uh, then, you know, Tesla made it as a standard thing. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, you can buy it from a reseller, but you can <laughs> buy it online if you want to. Mm. So that's a good example. And before, if, if we talk about this, because... Uh, car manufacturers are my clients, uh, before you wanted to test drive 3.5 cars for 3.5 times. Interesting, yeah. Right. Do you know what the figure is today? I would guess zero, but uh, maybe one. (laughs) 0.8. So so that means that not every client even test drives the car they are buying. Hmm. Interesting. And I would also like to talk about here, I mean, I've been talking too much about CPQ. I never do that more or less in the podcast show. Maybe I should do it more. But uh, the car industry are the only one that everyone has a CPQ. So they have that guided sales within their uh, homepage. They can guide the customer, the potential customer to the perfect car for their needs. So just saying, we had this uh, little, uh, (laughs) quite rude actually (laughs) thing towards SARS Nordic. They had an event in, uh, I think it was in Malmö in Sweden, like a year ago or something like that. And we asked uh, the very innovative SaaS companies, <laughs> we at least think we are, uh, are car dealers sassier than your sales rep, just because they are using this, you know, making it easy for the customer to say yes. 
but it was very bold of us. It wasn't very nice. So sorry if someone <laughs> was angry after that. <laughs> okay, but I'm sure it is something very important that I forgot to ask you about when it comes to sales psychology that you want to wrap this up with. Maybe the dialogue be- before the meetings. I mean, uh, okay, structure is one thing, but the dialogue between, we spoke about that, but mm. but uh, really after maybe I explained the agenda, two questions, and then you, but then how you can add and have dialogue before the meeting, because most of salespeople say in the coaching sessions, of course I am preparing. Yes, you are preparing that, like you said, LinkedIn, maybe have sent an email, text, a message, whatever. That's micro messages. That's fine. But when a salesperson prepares herself or himself to a meeting, the client don't know that. Mm. The point is that the client should know that you are preparing. The only way is then telling that to the client that actually now I am preparing. For example, the day before you have a meeting, you send a message to the client. A micro message, for example, via LinkedIn or whatever channel, and say, Hi, Wilma. So we have a meeting tomorrow at 10 o'clock. I am prepared. Just like that, a short mm. message. Mm. Now comes the psychology. What does the client think when he or she gets this message from a salesperson? What is the first thought? I sent, I sent you a message yesterday that we're yes. going to have this uh, uh, recording. Yes. How did you feel? I felt like uh, that you were engaged uh, and was also looking forward to the meeting. Exactly. And maybe I was thinking preparing. about you. Yeah. Prepare is one thing, mm. but the psychology is yeah. Ruba is thinking about me. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but that two seconds that you give to the client that mm. Ruba, the salesperson, is now thinking about me. That is what happens in the customer's head. Not, you know, nobody thinks about that like that, but that is the, the emotional feeling that happens. Right. And those mm. emotional things you should give to the client between when you agree a meeting and before you have the first meeting. That you have a few of those emotional moments where you get a full attention. And this micro-message that takes 10 seconds to write, see you, Wilma, tomorrow. With that, you get emotional reaction and attention. Takes 10 seconds, but it can be worth a lot. I actually forgot to ask the most important question here. If you do these things, what results and effects could you could you count on? Is it higher hit rate? I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean that you win the deals. I mean you are you are the preferred supplier. You they want to work with you because they understand that okay, after I buy from you from this type of person, we will keep this, you know, a good a level of communication afterwards mm. also that you don't disappear because you are showing also this emotional part. Mm. Of course, if you now somebody might think, okay, how many messages is sending to the client before <laughs> the meeting? You know, like it's like 20 or how many? Of course, not too many, but you explain 
You explain what happened. You know, when you are in dentist, I come back to psychology. When you are a dentist, a good dentist, what do they do? They explain what is going to happen next. Mm. Yes. They always tell you, okay, mm. now you will get some ugly, you know, and in few minutes, seconds, it will taste bad, but it will only take a few seconds. Or mm. now I will do this and this. It might hurt, but only for a few seconds. And mm. then it starts. Or yeah. what, what does a good masseur make if, if you go to sports massage? Mm. What do they do? They never uh, leave. If they move around, they keep mm. their hand on your ba back and then yeah. they move on the other side, but they don't, uh, they still keep the hand on your back. Why? Because you get a shock otherwise when the hands come back. back. <laughs> you know exactly that you are the psychological safetyness keeps. You have a, this psychological safety. That's the same what I'm trying to, to emphasize here. That mm. by explaining to you that I'm going to send you an agenda with two questions. And I'm explaining you and I'm writing to you that tomorrow we will meet. Everything is ready. By that, I keep the psychological safetyness you as a potential client to me and if i have clients who've been my clients for 10 years or like that sometimes they, they tell me now of course they know my system so they are saying if i don't get a message from you a day before i'm already nervous that has something happened to you <laughs> and they are starting yeah. to you know to tell the mobile friends because sometimes i'm i waiting until five or six o'clock which is outside the working hours mm -hmm. in finland you know like four o'clock yeah. So, you know, so by purpose, I'm not sending it. I, I keep it until maybe <laughs> five or half past five. And I know that the clients mm. after 10 years, mm. of course, they are really looking forward. Can you imagine if you call my clients, they will all tell you that they mm. are really looking forward for this uh, micro message that comes mm. the day before. Makes them feel special. Yes. And that is mm. great when you have that kind of relationship. Of course. Do you have any statistics? Uh, I mean, that your <laughs> clients in general uh, achieve when they implement your. I get always that system. question from potential client, and I tell <laughs> you, I I wouldn't be in this business after twenty three years if my 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 structure wouldn't work. So I, you know, I am still here. Right. I'm one of the few ones that uh, is are still here after twenty three years as a in sales coaching. So uh, that is my answer to you. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you so much for sharing all your knowledge and experience. Well, not all your knowledge and experience, but a, a bit of your knowledge and experience. I think it was really thoughtful, at least for me. And I hope the, the audience feels the same. And I'm wondering, actually, do you get inspired by someone when we're talking about, say, psychology? Do you have like... Yeah, an author, an other author, or that we that, that we don't speak Finnish <laughs> can understand too. Yes, I mean if if uh, I I would put this a book that I would have liked to write, mm. that would be the Challenger Sale. Mm. That book that is the best book in sales, really. I mean, everybody okay. should read it because it was so thoughtful. It was it is still uh, very adequate. Diardini's uh, uh, book uh, Influence is another one. It's old from 80s, but it has a lot of that psychology what I went through with you here. Mm -hmm. It has uh, examples, very concrete examples, for example, why some waitresses get better paid than somebody else and so on. 
why some things are on a menu in a certain position and so on. So, which I have used uh, also in sales. For example, when you explain the advantages of your offering, you should always have four arguments put in a certain uh, structure. And uh, the thing that you really want to sell should be on the right upper corner. Uh, things like this uh, you can find in that book. And of okay. course, I will uh, mo modify and I will write in a more modern way in my next book about these things, how they work in the B2B um, business, actually. So Very that is what I'm going to write about. Interesting. Looking forward to that. And that is also another episode, I feel. and. Um... One uh, question that I'm super interested of is what are your main challenges uh, in your business going into 2023? If you want to share I something with us. One of the main challenges is uh, uh, a slower decision-making process mm. that makes, as I am uh, coaching, uh, also <laughs> that's my main job, and I'm also selling all the projects. Uh, so, uh, you know, it takes too much time. So thanks to these uh, teams, it has lowered, you know, people want to have so many meetings mm. before taking the decision. And even if you do all the tricks that I have explained, <laughs> still you have so many decision makers involved and more is coming. And that has changed a lot the way and the processes. And even you want to engage the decision makers in beforehand, um, I can see that... Um, for me, the challenge is that too many teams meetings are required in order to close a deal. And uh, also for the preparation, even when you have a deal, the client wants to have pretty much of uh, preparation meetings like this because it has mm. teams has made it so easy to keep like 15 minutes, 30 minutes. So mm. at the end of the day, your calendar is full of these teams meetings, um, which were before maybe you met, met once face to face one hour and that's it. But now it's the they lower the bar to take bar, meetings. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you're reading my mind. Lower bar to keep meetings. And that mm. makes uh, mm. for a consultant at least a challenge with your mm. uh, time management. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And of course, second is that I have two kids that are, you know, eight and six years old. And, uh, and then I want to be with them. And then also mm. I have this. A great project in uh, Riviera, you know, renovating my apartment, and so that is a personal thing. But mm. and but you asked that, and that's part of life. That is part of life, and I feel you with both. Uh, I've experienced both the uh, unnecessary maybe meetings, or that it's definitely more meetings than before coming to a decision, and a no is also a case a decision, but 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 earlier. <laughs> preferable but uh, also the second challenge to prefer to be with your family and have a soon 10 months baby of course want to spend as exactly. much time with him as well and those extra teams meeting doesn't help <laughs> no and that's uh, how you we come to the time management and uh, which is uh, a challenge to yeah. i think for most business people okay three quick last questions here the first of us is uh, is it linkedin to reach you or do you prefer another channel maybe texting or email or oh linkedin it is best you know um that Great. is absolutely the best way to reach me perfect who else would you like me to invite to the podcast maybe someone you want to listen to yourself <laughs> i was thinking you know 
we always give these examples of Tesla and big companies, but mostly these big company CEOs are never on this podcast. We they are used as also in Nordic business forum that I mentioned this story mm-hmm. at the beginning. Uh, they have a lot of authors and professors uh, lecturing, but not those companies that they are talking about. Mm-hmm. So if you would get a CEO of a Volvo or Ericsson or some Swedish uh, company, the big, the, the top of the top, uh, because nowadays I I don't hear them that often in these podcasts. Um, that is true, and I know why. But but uh, that would be <laughs> I would say yeah. if you get one mm. who is actually working as a CEO now, not uh, you know, like yeah, I I worked ten years ago in Volvo, but now. That would be something. I, I don't. I can't give you any name. But the Somebody challenge is accepted. I say, operative <laughs> CEO at the moment. That would be great. Mm. I must know someone who knows someone like that. So For I will sure. reach into my network definitely. And I agree with you. Very interesting. And uh, finally, you have that um, uh, French red uh, wine in your glass, maybe in your new. Uh, apartment outside of Nice, uh, and this song comes up. It keeps you or, or brings that big smiles on your lips. Maybe your your children are dancing around. I don't know what makes you happy, but what song are we listening to? <laughs> you know, I never listen to music. I give you this surprising answer. You know, yes, yeah, because most people say like, okay, yeah, music is so important to everybody nowadays. And uh, I prefer, you know, I if you, I never have music on. And mm-hmm. if I'm in a car, for example, I don't listen to music. <laughs> I, know, I know this sounds strange, but I pre- if <laughs> I prefer quietness at that time. But I would not say that I would uh, not pu- put the music on, <laughs> never ever. But but uh, if we will choose something. <laughs> I think silence is a very good answer. Yeah, I think it's know, an interesting answer. It is. Uh, I would prefer silence, but uh, then I think we should say that. To put something on. <laughs> Let me think of. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't need to. Let's go with silence. <laughs> uh, I feel that's a beautiful answer. Thank you so much for joining the podcast show. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs>